everyone, welcome to At This Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Jennifer Lynn. Join me for conversations with people in the theater world. You never know who's going to show up or what we'll talk about. So silence your cell phones. The show is about to begin. Please welcome musical theater writer and composer and someone I'm proud to call my friend, Jeffrey Smelkin. Hi, Jeffrey. Hi, how are you? Good, how are you? Long time um, to see. Yeah, right. I'm warm. I know <laughs> today. Hot. Yeah, it is hot today. It is. So when we're recording this episode, it's like 97, but it feels like a hundred and something. Uh, yeah. And I, I turned off my AC so that you can hear me. <laughs> me too. I was like, turn off the so AC. We're... Like in the back. So we're just sweating a little bit, but that's fine. It's, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so just to mention how we know each other, me and Jeffrey actually work in the same theater. We're both ushers. And when we met, we just got into all kinds of shenanigans, really. And mm, all the, the antics. history. Right? <laughs> yeah. It was a, a truly um, blessed day <laughs> meeting you. No. Um, yeah. It was, I don't know. I'm happy that I have your sunshine in my life. I'm happy um, that I met you. You're like, you're just one of like, the nicest and like me most sarcastic people that I've ever met and people <laughs> wouldn't know that about you when they first meet you I, I guess that's true yeah like outwardly you know nice whatever but but you know me like <laughs> oh they're so nice oh no they're really mm. not no we're really mean <laughs> <laughs> it's how we have to be sometimes yeah such is life right <laughs> but you have a new project I do. The parts I keep inside Yes. And uh, it's going to be at the Tria Theater on July 31st. Yes. So what is it about and how long have you been working on it? So um, I guess I'll start with the shorter answer first. Um, I've been working on it for 10 months, sort of a COVID project. This time really allowed me and I I see now a lot of other people to be very introspective. And uh, I had a conversation with somebody once talking about the relatability of a piece of theater or a song um, really stems from how specific you can get. Even if it's not that same experience, someone will still relate to the feeling that you are having in your specific experience. So I took this time and I wrote out a list of embarrassing moments and vulnerable moments and, you know, the, the things that keep you up at night. When when you think about these things or these memories or instances that really are hard things to think about, be it, you know, hard because it was a, a, an embarrassing time or hard because it's a painful time. I, I made a, a list of these things, of these experiences that I've had. And I said, well, <laughs> time to turn each one into a song <laughs> and share it with literally everybody. <laughs> um, That's awesome. I, I can't wait to see it. I'm excited. Yeah. I always love, and especially when it's somebody I know, and then, you know, you, you go and see something and you, you, I guess it's kind of like, um, even though, you know, somebody like when kind of like a more of a window into their world. Mm-hmm. Well, so how long have you been composing music? Cause I know you compose, you've done other shows and you do mm-hmm. music and you do really awesome podcast music. Oh, well, thank you. For as long as I can remember, really, I remember when I was in like second grade or third grade, I wrote this piece, you know, the first piano piece that I had notated, I called it the mastermind, and I still have it in the box somewhere. 
and I performed it for my for my third third grade class. And so I guess that that's when I started writing. But then I, you know, growing up, I was like, hmm, is music, is theater really a viable career? So I I turned to medicine because I come from a, a very medical family. And I wanted to be a geneticist or an endocrinologist or, you know, just I think medicine, I think of biology is very fascinating um, and it still hasn't stopped. I still love, you know, reading articles, watching videos, talking to my family. My my sister is a doctor and my other sister is getting a PhD now in bioinformatics. I'm like black sheep of the family. <laughs> Maybe that's me. <laughs> but yeah, so then when I was in high school, I actually went to a conference in DC for future medical leaders. And they had us do this exercise where we close our eyes and we imagine our lives in 10, 15 years, whatever it was. And I was not in a hospital. <laughs> I was on stage. I was in New York. I was doing theater. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. <laughs> so it was a really, a really roundabout way getting to this place of, oh, maybe I want to do theater. Um, and then high school happened. And in high school, I was asked to write a piece uh, to be performed in Hawaii, which was so much fun. And then I wrote a little musical called Furniture the Musical with Natalie Leifson. And we decided to submit that to a theater festival. And we got in. And this was the summer after my senior year of high school. So that that whole process and that in those couple years really solidified, you know, like music, theater, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Wow. That's definitely, yeah. Like a turn of like a career is like, I yeah. <laughs> go and be a doctor and now I'm in musical theater. <laughs> yeah. Also, it's probably better for the patient. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> Imagine so. like coming in though, you'd you be one of the singing doctors like coming in. Oh, singing. Oh, you know, I must say everybody assumes that I can sing. <laughs> Every, you know, I am music direct. I write, I do all these things in musical theater. So naturally everyone, everyone's just like, ah, sing for me. Like you must, you must be such a good singer. Let me tell you, I'm not <laughs> like, there's a, there's a reason that I'm not on stage. I mm, no. Well, it's so funny because everybody, and usually like when we, cause we've been on the aisle together and most mm -hmm. people are usually like, because we talk about shows and stuff like that. And most mm -hmm. people are like, oh, so do you guys perform? You must <laughs> sing really well. And we're like, yeah, we don't sing at all. No, I've gotten, um, oh, you must be an actor or a dancer. I get dancer a lot. Um, you do all, you you do, you do look like you could be a dancer. What is so it? Look at that. I don't know. It's just like your whole, like, I don't know. You have like this presence about you that you, you look okay. like you could be a dancer. I, definitely I mean, I'll, I'll take no shade to the dancers. Is it? <laughs> You do very hard work and I appreciate it. But Jeffrey's next career. No. Oh God. <laughs> He's like, no, that is not happening. So you mentioned Furniture the Musical, which I want to ask you about. And I want to ask you about pretty much all the musicals that you wrote. You wrote Untitled Time, uh, What's Wrong with the World, Life in Quarantine. So do you want to go through each one of those a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, so they are all available on your website. <laughs> they are all available on my website. Um, little snippets of each one. So Furniture I wrote with Natalie Leifson about furniture. I really just did the music for that. But Natalie and I were on Skype once at like three in the morning in high school. And she was like, wouldn't it be funny if there's a if I write a monologue from the point of view of a chair who's in love with its human? And I was like, yeah, like, go for it. So then she wrote this and I was like, this is amazing. So then eventually we turned it into a short musical. And when people ask me about it, I think 
I, I tell them to think like R-rated Toy Story. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's fun. And yeah, Untitled Time, it's dark. It tackles also excuse the sirens. Um we we yeah, love New York me, City. Me too, me too. <laughs> It tackles mental health, depression, suicide. I feel that in a lot of pop culture right now, not so much glorification, but sensationalization of mental health. And I feel that, yeah, it's entertaining and, you know, I'm glad conversations are getting started. I think that we need to be having more accurate conversations when... Especially after the past year. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, and I feel that when accurate conversations get started, then we can accurately start answering questions and 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 reducing stigma and hopefully saving lives. So I really wanted to put something out there that's, you know, more accurate, at least to my own experiences and uh, conversations that I've had with others who struggle. But yeah, so that's really what that one is about. Produced that at, we did a workshop at Hofstra University on Long Island, and then that also went to the Midtown International Theater Festival. And yeah, so also another project that I've been working on during all of this quarantine time. I've been turning that musical from a 60-minute abridged version, I guess, to two-hour, 45-minute full musical, fully orchestrated. And I'm hopefully, you know, dream here, goal here is to get that also to an off-Broadway space and see what happens with that. I think you will. Uh, Thank you. We'll see. But (laughs) I mean, I am biased, so (laughs) I don't know if we could really go by me, but I definitely am biased towards especially, especially you. You're one of my favorite people in this world. You really are. Well, that means a lot, especially because you, (laughs) you don't like very many people. I don't. I am like the worst person when it comes to musical theater. Like I'm like people like all the popular shows and I'm like, yeah, no. Mm. Have you seen the show that ran for two weeks? That was great. (laughs) I mean, that's fair. What's wrong with the world? (laughs) So that was a show that I did at 54 Below. I had moved. So I had been living in Manhattan um, for the summers for the past five years, four years. And I had gotten a job um, summer 2018. Uh, we were supposed to be producing a thing that I was working on, but then fell through the day that I signed my lease. So I was like, well, I'm here. I'm in New York. I've got nothing to do. So I, I get myself a little job as a telemarketer because that's what paid the bills. <laughs> and I was like, well, here I am. I'm, I'm working, you know, a little bit of the time. But other than that, what am I doing? So I scrambled together this song cycle called What's Wrong With The World in a month. Really, I had 28 days and I sort of had to like, not so much lie, but maybe tell the cast that the show was complete. And I had to tell 54 that like I had a full cast, like set in stone. All these things were like in the works, but not it really all had to come together at the same time because it was so quick. But somehow it did. And it was just so much fun. Everybody at 54 is so nice. They're so nice over there. And it's such a fun venue. And, and it's cast. open again. <laughs> and it's open again. Yeah. I don't know if they're at full capacity. I know that they're doing I yeah, I don't right? they're doing like they're doing like pods like each table you have to buy mm-hmm. like a, you buy table four table of two right okay yeah well hoping 100% capacity will be will be back soon but yeah just a, a great cast that we had and just a lot of fun and then yeah so I also did uh, live from quarantine which is sort of like a, a, a talent show of out of work performers in New York 
actually, I, it was more than just New York. I think it was at least national. And Ryan Hudzik and I performed one of, excuse me, one of the songs from Untitled Time, which was, it was good to, you know, perform again, even if it's virtual. Um, yeah, but that really lit this thing in me of like, uh, I need to do something and I need to do something now, which led to the creation of the parts I keep inside. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the virtual events definitely gave like a lot of just entertainment to people because we couldn't go see live theater. And mm-hmm. I mean, there are, I'm majority of my friends are musical theater fans. And so to actually, you know, like that they have events and stuff like that. And it was definitely not ideal, but it worked. It definitely yeah, and it's it's going to be really interesting to see how that changes the future of the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm one of those people, you know, like I, I prefer in the room. Yep. Like 100%. That's not to say that I don't recognize the value of virtual events and, you know, accessibility and all of that. Hopefully Broadway can change for the better in a way that it will be accessible for everybody. Mm-hmm. I think that we really need to continue working really hard at that until it's until it's where we need it to be but I guess that's that it's gonna take a while but it's gonna take a little gotta, bit we gotta get there we definitely gotta get there we know listen people know that things can be done now and get on that yeah so you graduated from Hofstra University yes. in the midst of a pandemic oh yes <laughs> and you got an award too yes. you overachiever Overachiever. I got the the Peggy Deutsch Endowed Memorial Scholarship for music composition. Um, That's not a mouthful. A lot of words. <laughs> Does it like, so is this something that they give out every year? Is it? So they give this out every year. Okay. Um, they analyze all the composition majors pieces and the work that they've done. And then they choose every year the most, the most promising, the most whatever the, the terminology was that they used. Uh, the best composer, I guess. And I was just so honored to, to be receiving this word, you know. Um, Herb Deutsch, he basically originated the Moog synthesizer and just all the, all the professors at Hofstra, but they, they were really instrumental in my success. And I owe so much to all of them, Professor Glazer and Stoker and Lehman, all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know when you used to come to work and you used to, you know, like you were talking about school and everything and we we're like, oh, this is so like involved and we're just, <laughs> we're not those go-getters. No, no I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was a lot. It was a lot of work and it was crazy. My schedule, especially the end of junior and the start of senior year, I was waking up at 7 a.m. I was going to class from 8.30 to 4. And then I worked two on-campus jobs. So I would work from 4 or 3, depending on the day, to 6, either one or both of those jobs. And then I would catch the shuttle to the train station, take the train to Manhattan, (laughs) meet you, (laughs) work you know, that shift of the day. And then I would get home at like 12 in the morning, go to sleep and repeat. And I did all of my work on the train. And I must say that the train is like the number one place to get work done. Yeah, like, definitely. Who needs, who needs libraries when you have the MTA? <laughs> exactly. So quiet and clean and just everything. Yeah. <laughs> and then especially like the days where, you know, where you're like, hey, can you come in and work so-and-so? Those were the best days, honestly. Um, sometimes I would 
actually towards the end, I would usually pack my uniform in my school bag. Just in case. Um, just in case. And most of the days, you know, I'd be sitting in geology. I had to take my my senior year and I would get a text and I'd have to, you know, like read it under the table, be like, hey, can you come in today? And secretly I'd be like, yes, yes. <laughs> I get to see my friends tonight. <laughs> So you have musical directed a lot of shows like Wizard of Oz, the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, High School Musical, and my personal favorite, The Little Mermaid. Yes. I remember when you told me about that, you were like, I am thinking about you every day because I'm musical directing The the Little Mermaid. (laughs) Yep. So for those who don't know, when you musical direct a show that's kind of well known, like what is your, your really your role to do? My role is really to bring the vision of the composer to light. I, I think that I have not so much unique, but a very compelling perspective as both a composer and music director. Whenever I music direct anybody else's work, I always pretend that it's mine, you know, and I want to bring justice to the music that's been handed to me as if it was my own work, you know. Um, so I would spend so many hours not even asked of me doing score study. And granted, I am a nerd. <laughs> Um, I love harmonic analysis and just really music theory in general. So I would print out the score or on my iPad and analyze measure by measure, both harmonically. I'd also do, I'd also like point out where little motifs are in the rest of the score and the rest of the show, how they might change, what that might mean for the development of the character. And these things, I realized that when you're working with a student or working with a cast member, if you can just like add in these little, little tidbits of music information, they, they take it and run with it. And it gives that much more meaning and depth to the character that they're playing. But I just, I love music directing so much. I, you know, as, as much as we joke about hating people, I really enjoy working with people, especially when we have a shared goal, a shared interest. And, you know, I just love, I love making music happen. Yeah. We've had, I mean, we've had a lot of those conversations at work too. Mm -hmm. Like just talking about different, different types of musicals, the musicals that we like, the musicals that we don't like. And, you know, Mm -hmm. eventually I just leave the conversation. It's like, yeah, we're just not talking about the musicals that I like. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So I know I have very, very weird taste. I know, I know. No, it's eclectic. (laughs) (laughs) That's for sure. That's definitely for sure. But it makes you who you are. <laughs> Thank you. You also did, well, not too long ago, you were associate producer on the online challenge where 5,000 people had to perform the same song. Yes. How many submissions did you actually get? Uh, we got a lot. So with Reco Theatricals, we were producing this Broadway world record challenge in hopes of raising money for the Actors Fund for people who needed resources during this time. I don't recall the number of submissions that we actually got. However, I do know that we have been working with a lot of Broadway professionals, some people even in the cast of six. And yeah, I don't recall. I'm sorry. I don't know how many we it was a ended lot. up with, but it was <laughs> so, a lot. And we're, you know, we're still working. We're, we're so happy that as time goes on and things are starting to open back up again, you know, the need for something like this is getting less and less, which is it's good, but you know, we're still going. Yeah, I, I keep counting down. I was like, it's one day closer till September. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Everything yeah. 
And I was actually just on Facebook earlier and um, I saw like one of those Facebook memories from a year ago. It was the like artists are not okay right now post from a year ago. And it said Broadway is shut down until January 2021. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And I was like, wow, remember? Yeah, that was. And, you know, being is that we all knew that it wasn't coming back. Like that last year and everything. But I guess there was like a little part of all of us that held out a bit of hope. Uh I guess that it would happen. Then like to actually see that in writing, you're like, oh my God. I know. But now things are like, are actually happening. Um, So that's good. I mean, even the flea market is happening this year. I know. I mean, being in October, but I will be there. I will definitely be there. Are you going to be selling your crafts? I don't know. See what happens. I know a lot of people that have tables. (laughs) Who knows what's going to happen, but I'll definitely be there shopping. Definitely. Yep. You know, fill, fill my house with, with more things. I mean, of course you have like all these things. I mean, I have the Bonnie and Clyde call board, Mm -hmm. like not to mention your shrine to little mermaid, my shrine to the little mermaid. Yeah. A literal shrine. (laughs) Literally my collection since I'm 10. So Mm -hmm. it's impressive. It is. It really is. Between the Little Mermaid collection and the musical theater collection, I need a another apartment. I just need to buy a house is what I really mm. need to do and just like put everything on display. That's like, this is the Broadway slash Little Mermaid Museum. Mm-hmm. There you go. Sell tickets. The transition will be the Little Mermaid on Broadway into the actual there Little Mermaid go. stuff. Right? Perfect. Right? There yeah. you go. See, I've It'll thought like... this. I've thought this through clearly. <laughs> a little side exhibit. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So besides being a musical theater nerd, you're also a transit nerd. Oof, I'm a transit nerd. I love planes. I love trains. You know, ever since I was small, I it's funny because I I hate flying, but I love airplanes. Maybe I'm basic, but the 737-800 is my favorite. But yeah, so I actually used to live under a flight path once upon a time for JFK. And what I would do is not so much hack in, but, you know, I'd I'd find my way to listen to the radio, the um, pilots talking to the tower. And I would also have like a flight tracker on my computer and I would listen to the pilots and watch the planes move on my computer and then wait until they got over my house. And then I'd look out the window and there they were. And yeah, I just, I don't know. I love planes. I think it's so fascinating. I also love trains, which is like 82% of the reason that I moved to New York City. You know, like there are so many people who hate, hate the subway, but you know, whenever I swipe in or now whenever I tap in because Omni is amazing, I, as much as I act like I hate it, there's a little part of me that's like, yes. (laughs) I haven't taken the subway yet since March of last year. I haven't taken the subway yet. It's the first time back on it was terrifying. I bet. Um, I'm probably going to be terrified the first time, but it'll be fine. I got these weird looks like I, I looked afraid because at, at the time that I rode the subway for the first time, the vaccine hadn't been so widespread yet. And it was really just 1A and it was scary being on public transit. I had like three masks on. and but I do not blame you. Definitely do not blame you. Yeah, <laughs> it'll be OK. Yeah. <laughs> what is um? do you have a favorite space that you visited whether it be a train station or an airport what a question I uh, hmm. I really love Jamaica station just you know there are so many tracks and it's beautiful I actually I went on a little field trip 
uh, when I was in college. And we took a tour of the Eastside Access Project, which is bringing Long Island Railroad to Grand Central. And, you know, like hard hats and everything, work boots. Uh, we traveled all the way down into the construction zone. Um, and we had, we, we took a tour of um, what it's going to be and all the tunnels. And it was fantastic. And there's a picture of me standing in like what will be the train tracks for Long Island Railroad wow. at Grand Central. <laughs> um, but, you know, I'm excited for that to open. I think that's that's going to be really cool. Favorite spaces. I don't know. I also love LaGuardia and I love JFK. I just, I don't know. I There is this one place actually that my dad and I used to go to when I was younger, right, like right up against the fence at JFK, right behind the runway. And we could just watch all the planes take off and land. And that was really cool. So that space, I really liked that too. Oh, well, yeah. And let's see, you're also a foodie. You cook a lot. Yes. Because... I stalk your Instagram. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so is there, a, uh, you have a favorite dish that you make? No, um, I love food, period. I am a vegetarian, which is relatively new. Just over two years ago, I became a vegetarian. You know, since then, I've ventured out into like, into the realm of vegetarian cooking, which is so interesting um, and I just think that the science now behind vegetarian food options is amazing. Like impossible meat. Oh, delicious. And there are even some tofus that I like. Okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I do not have enough good things to say about impossible beef. I, you know, I also love like my Burger King. <laughs> um, and now I can get an impossible Whopper and that's delicious, you know, and it it's, close enough if not exactly like meat that I don't I don't miss meat chicken alternatives as well just you know I can understand like shying away from being a vegetarian however long ago but now I feel that options are so close if not exactly the same that you can't tell the difference I just you know I'm... I mean let's put I mean M mother burger became mother vegan so yes <laughs> exactly and mother vegan right next to work is delicious mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> And then you are also caffeine addict and a dog person. Ooh. Well, you won't, you would not come to my house then because I have cats. So, well, that's okay. I love animals of all kinds. With, I have even special... with all my cats. I mean, I have, cats. I have enough cats to make the musical. <laughs> I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> are they jellical cats? No, <laughs> <laughs> so they are. Well, they, they are all named after musicals though. They're all named mm -hmm. after characters in musicals. Mm-hmm. None after the musical Cats. The next one you'll name Andy. The next one, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and none named after musicals that I've actually worked at either. Huh, interesting. Yeah, right. So you also do audition preparation, musical tutor, you're a piano teacher, you're a background pianist. So, I mean, like, what do you not do? I mean... Sleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't sleep. <laughs> and that's why you're a caffeine addict, right? Yes. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah. So how did you get into each one of those? Partly necessity, partly just, you know, I enjoy it. I don't think that any musician I've ever met is simply, you know, I think that every musician, especially now has to be multi-hyphenate. I, I feel like what comes with being a musician, you know, starting out, especially in New York, you know, you, you have to do all these other things to make money but I enjoy doing all these other things so much 
that it's it's not even work. Just you love that, what you do and you'll never work a day in your life. Is, I know that's like so like cliche today, but I mean, it's, but it's, it's true. definitely true. It's definitely true. It's, it's cliche for a reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and just that that feeling that I get when, you know, I'm working with a student or like I said, a cast member or someone even just needing audition prep, just when they when they come to me with a problem or they come to me with like, hey, Jeffrey, I need help with my Shankarian analysis or I need help with uh, like getting the the vowels out in these couple measures for my audition. When we break through their issues and they they overcome and they learn what they wanted to learn and what they wanted to overcome, just that feeling that that I get of just like, I helped you get here. It's honestly a selfish thing a little bit. I just, I love that feeling of helping somebody through problems. And that's that's not just music, really any any place in my life where I can, you know, make make things a little bit easier for somebody. What is, I know I usually ask this and people hate this question, but I'm going to ask it oh, anyway. Oh, I'm afraid. Oh no. I have a what feeling. Is, what is your favorite Broadway show and why? I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> I knew that was the question. I actually did a podcast um, a couple of weeks ago and same question. Same question. <laughs> and I was like, no. <laughs> oh God. Okay. I have to choose one. I mean, you could name a few if you'd like. I'll let you slide. It's fine. Okay. Well, I mean, there's a special place in my heart for Wicked. Whenever I tell people that they're like, oh, you just like the spectacle shows and blah, blah, But no, no, let me explain. Um, so Wicked was my first musical. I saw original Broadway cast back when I was a mere six years old. Just that that first A that you hear at the beginning of the show. Just, you know, you know how that hits. Yeah. Um, and also the, the very low C at the start of As Long As You're Mine. That does something to me as well, but a conversation for another time. <laughs> And I just, I grew up listening to Wicked and to other shorts. And then in high school, uh, my junior year, I took AP music theory. But then my senior year, I took an independent study of music theory, which was actually advised against by my guidance counselor. She was like, are you sure colleges are going to want to see that you took another year of music? And I'm like, yeah. (laughs) But that was really cool. I... I basically designed my own curriculum with with my teacher. And for one of my projects, it was to analyze music theory, analyze the music of Wicked, because, you know, I got to choose, which is fantastic. (laughs) And it's just some of the some of the best written contemporary theater that there is. I like to place myself like somewhere in the realm between like more traditional sounding, but more pop feeling musical theater i i'm not the biggest fan of strictly pop music and musical theater but i'm also not the biggest fan of strictly traditional i think that wicked draw exists i guess um in a in a happy medium between the two and i just i love the show i love the music i love wicked wicked's one of my my favorite shows me and my wife traveled to connecticut just well one of her favorite people was in it but I was like, oh, wait, it's wicked. I was like, sure, I'll go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, I love that show. I mean, I saw the original cast because I'm a big, I'm a big Adina Menzel fan. So when she was starting in Wicked, I was like, well, I'm going to go see it. I don't care what the show is. <laughs> so, yes. And then my love for Wicked started there. Mm-hmm. Of course. And I still, I still go back and I still, I still see Wicked. 
of course. Um, I, of course, already bought my tickets for opening. Um, (laughs) I, I, my count is like, like 28, 29 times seeing it. I'm probably, which, you know, I thought was pretty high, but then recently I've met some people who don't work at the Gershwin who have seen it 200 300 times and I'm like wow I (laughs) there are a lot of repeat attenders and before I started working in theater I I mean well still now I mean I'm definitely a repeat attender for Mm -hmm. a lot of shows I think the first one that I really got to keep seeing over and over and over again was Rent That was the one that I gravitated towards from when I was younger. And then uh, it just snowballed from there, pretty much. Yeah. You know, because the shows that you work, you're like, oh, I've seen that show. Like, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's like, that doesn't count. You work there. Yeah. I never know if I should count that. They're like, how many times have you seen like whatever show? And I'm like, (laughs) Like, probably a a couple hundred. Right. Like take the total performances, half it. And that's how many performances I've seen. Yeah. (laughs) But like, I never, does that count? Does that, you know, like we got paid to see. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's always something because um, for a short time, I was subbing over at a little show called um, Ham- Hamil- Hamilton, I think it's called. Hamilton? Yeah. They, um, that sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. It's a t- tiny little show. At the time, it was still the original cast when I was subbing there. So all my friends were having trouble getting tickets. Mm-hmm. I finally got tickets. They're like, it's whatever you see it for free and i'm like actually i get paid to see it yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> that's the way to make someone hate you <laughs> they're like just rub the salt in the wound jen just yeah. do it <laughs> but it's true i mean when you really look at it we get paid to see shows there's a lot that goes into the job that i was unaware of um, <laughs> and it's it's a lot more difficult and challenging than one might think which I was not prepared for when I when I started, um, but it's it's such a lovely job. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I mean, we definitely have fun. And you know, when I first started, I was like, I'm going to get a job as an usher. <laughs> I'm going to mm-hmm. see theater all the time, and I'm like, oh, that's right, I'm going to see the same show all the time. <laughs> so it definitely does help if you like the show that you're working at. Yes. <laughs> so, what do you miss the most about? Life theater in general, yeah, just in general, um, the people Same just here. having having a human experience with other humans. You know, like the theater started, you know, no microphones, no sets, no curtains, no making sure your Wi-Fi is up. To- yeah, <laughs> is right. <laughs> Um, just like as long as as long as humans have been alive, so has theater. It's just I think it's the most human art form, and I think that if anything, like this pandemic has gone to show that as well. You know, all these other art forms continued on, but the the second we have a human pandemic, also the the greatest human art form closes down, which just it shows how necessary people are and human connection is. So yeah, the the people. I, yeah. I have to say also that that feeling of just entering a theater, you know, um, whether it's at work and we enter an empty theater, which is magical in and of itself, mm-hmm. or if it's a full theater, it's just, you know, you're all there, silence your cell phones, 
Um, we hope at least. We hope. Oh. <laughs> um, but like it's, we're all there for the point of having a shared human experience. And I think that that's something that will never go away. We can add microphones and we can add set design and curtains and lights and sound. But at the essence of it, it's, it'll always be the same, however much it may need to change otherwise. But I, I think that the essence is always going to be there. And I think that's something that's really special that no other industry has yeah what do you think you would be the first thing that you do on the first day back at work the first day back at work um I'm gonna do my job (laughs) (laughs) and I'm gonna love it no that's a lie obviously I'm giving you a hug (laughs) the first day back at work oh my gosh I can't even like I've been like imagining like our first day back at work and just kind of like just seeing everybody Mm because I really haven't seen a lot of people mm-hmm. over this time, but it's just going to be so cool and weird at the same time. Yeah. Because <laughs> we haven't done it until. I know. It's going to like, do I remember the alphabet? I <laughs> look like we're going to walk down the aisle, look at it, like what seats were. Oh, yeah. This, oh, wait, this is the. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. There is no I. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute. Why aren't one and two together? <laughs> I think that is my favorite thing still. That is my. <laughs> Like, I'm like, I was like, I can't wait for a patron to yell at me. <laughs> oh my God. But yeah, I miss it. And I miss all of you. Yeah, I definitely. I miss everybody so much. So I'm just, I'm just glad that, you know, we're, we're part of the lucky ones that our show is coming back because mm. a couple of shows did not come back. And, you know, we are one of the first ones that are lucky enough to be back first. And we don't have to wait till October or December or anything. So mm. definitely we are definitely lucky. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so I can't wait. And yeah, so if um if people want to find out more about you and your music and all the amazing things that you do, where can they go? They can go to jeffreyschmelkin.com, J-E-F-F-R-E-Y-S-C-H-M-E-L-K-I-N.com. You can also find me on Instagram at, at jeffreyschmelkin and buy your tickets to the parts like human side um it's gonna be a night we are in an off-broadway space at the triad but it's also a cabaret space um so drinks and snacks you know bring your friends make a night of it mm-hmm. um and we are going to be one of the first off-broadway shows back at 100 percent capacity which is really really exciting and my producer rye myers we had a phone call a couple months ago, you know, when we were just talking about producing the show. And I was like, I want to be one of the first shows back at 100% capacity, you know, like a, a welcome back to theater almost. And ooh, we have such a great cast. I'm sorry, I have to mention them. Yes, definitely. Um, we have Patrick Phillips on piano. And he's amazing. He was also music directing. So talented, so professional. Um, We have Rachel Beauregard on viola and we have Josh Roberts on drums and singing. We have Ellis Gage and Andrea Levinsky and uh, Beta Spindola and Ryan Hudzik. Oh my gosh. I, mm, I do not have enough good, great, amazing things to say about them. So incredibly talented. Like, you know, I I feel like everyone says it's going to be a night you don't want to miss, but like, seriously, this is... (laughs) like I don't I'm not I don't want to miss this I think that they're all powerhouses in their own ways and putting them all together I think was either a really good idea or a really bad idea I think we might like blow up the earth or something I don't know they're just that was weird I'm weird there's a reason that I don't (laughs) that I don't 
I will be there. I will definitely be there. I'm so excited. To I can't wait. I'm so excited. Yay. So, so, so excited. Thank you so, so much. I can't Thank wait you. to see you in person because I'm going to see you before, before your show. So that's yeah. just happening. It's just yeah. happening. Thank you. Thanks for having me. This was so much fun. <laughs>